Um, so the course has hosts and some volunteers who help, and then guests. So uh, where is it going to be? It's going to be at Christie's house, which is in Mechanicsville. And it's a very warm, inviting home. <coughs> um, it's going to take place on Sunday evenings. It will start at 6. It'll end by 8.30. Um, it does go for 10 weeks. And then there's one Saturday that will be at a retreat center all day. The cost is free. It's free to anybody who comes. And this is a good part. We need volunteers. We can't do it all by ourselves. So we need one person who will greet people at door and explain where's the kitchen, where's the bathroom, where can put your coats, whatever. Number two, we need somebody who's going to help cook. I, don't, I love cooking, but I can't cook every time. So we need help there. Or you can bring a dinner. Also, the third thing is to support with prayers. You know, if you can't be a part of this, you can certainly pray for us. Because that is a huge, huge thing. And as soon as we have the retreat date and the start date of this, we'll let you know. Yeah, right now I think we're looking at starting um, the, f yeah, either the last um, Sunday in February or the first Sunday in March. It's kind of dependent on the retreat center. I've got to make sure I've got that nailed down for the 11th. <laughs> Um, session so I'm working backwards from that yes we do um, please please ask for your prayers um, just reach out to people that you believe are seeking something you know what's life about um, we are going to provide some in invitation cards um, I'm hoping to have them ready next Sunday for you to hand out but at this point, yeah, just pray about who you can invite. Thank you. All right, thank you guys. Um, also, before I turn this over, I wanted to maybe add a little clarity to an email that I sent out this last week. Um, I mentioned, I think I sent, you probably got an email from me that said that we're having this um, uh, sort of a banquet, I think, for our volunteers. And this is uh, just a way to say thank you to the people that uh, give of their time and, and uh, energy to the church on a regular basis. And so, um, so that you understand who I'm talking about, this would be you know anybody that's given any kind of volunteer effort to the church. So if you have, if you teach a children's Sunday school, if you sing or play an instrument on the worship team if you empty a trash can, if you help set up tables before an event, um, you know, we, uh, if, you work, if you help set up before church starts, if you teach an adult Sunday school class, just really anything that you are giving of your, your time and your energy uh, to the church, we want to honor that, right? And so that's who we want to invite. We're going to cater the, the meal so no one has to cook. And the um, church staff is going to serve you. So just a way of, uh, of honoring you a little bit more in terms of uh, a thank you for everything that you do. So uh, just keep that in mind. That'll be next Sunday right after the service. You don't have to do anything uh, but show up. However, 
if you are coming, I would like you just to shoot me an email or a text message or something so we have, and if you could do it tomorrow, today or tomorrow, that would be wonderful because we need to order the food and I'd like to get at least close <laughs> to how much we're going to need. So uh, that's that. Now, if you would grab your connection cards, uh, should be nearby, and uh, just please take a moment to fill those out if you're a first-time visitor with us. Um, any information that you can give us would be uh, wonderful. Name, email address, and cell phone number are probably the key things in terms of receiving communications from us. How you found out about us is uh, a great little bit of information that sort of helps us understand uh, what's working for us in terms of uh, trying to advertise the church. On the back, there's some information that you can request or decisions that if you want to make uh, you, that you want to let us know about, you can do so there. And then finally, on the, uh, this other side, um, we take prayer requests. And you can just fill out a request for yourself or someone else for both. And we do pray for those regularly. We get together, pray for them every Tuesday. Our life groups pray for them. Individuals pray for them. And so they do receive a fair amount of prayer. So if you would just take a moment, fill those out. We will collect them. And then we will get on with uh, our message. Your love. Have y'all been blessed by this I Love My Church series? Yes. Do you love your church? Yes. Look at your neighbor telling me you love this church. I, love this church. I do too. We have another wonderful video and testimony we're going to play for you. Good morning. Nick has told me that I have four minutes to tell everyone why I love my church. Well, it's one word, dessert. What else is there to say? The family comes together on uh, any given time to have a luncheon, and all I have to do is say desserts, and they show up. What am I supposed to talk about for the next three minutes? Oh, I love my church because of the families. I love my church because of the memories. I love my church because of the events. And I'll take some of this time to talk about those things. Cindy talked about it during her testimony of why she loves this church. And that is the main reason why I love this church is because my family was hurting and we needed prayer. And when we walked into those doors, as she talked about, Gail Headley just knew it. She was in tune to God. And then from that point forward, we were, we were in the vineyard. And the people that we surrounded ourselves with really get you. They got me. They understood that I had a sense of humor or lack there of one. Um, they accepted it. They didn't try to bend me in a different way, except Miss Sally says that I can't say that we use Benadryl and duct tape while in Sunday school. So we don't talk about that anymore. But um, John Potter, we, we talk the same language 
and just the memory of of seeing him for the first time uh, when we walked in those doors, seeing him in his long hair and his Harley Davidson garb. And I was asking myself, I wonder if he realized that this wasn't a bar anymore, that this was a church. And he thought that that was hilarious. Um, Pastor Jeff wearing his uh, Harley Davidson shirts and uh, shorts, flip flops while playing the 12th string because he was on the worship team at that time. Uh, just memories like that. Uh, fast forward, we needed, we needed something for Nicholas. And so we went to Pastor Jeff and said, hey, we don't have a kid's ministry. And in this famous way of saying something was, well, what do you want to do about it? And we said, well, we want to do it. And he got behind us, encouraged us, gave us insight accepted the fact that we were a little too aggressive with flyers and that this city of Ashland had to call them and tell us to take them all down. Um, then a little fast forward, you know, we'd want to do events and Pastor Jeff never asked about the cost. He said, well, that's what needs to happen. Let's make it happen. Paraphrasing. Um, John and his patience with us, with our questions, uh, doing life group at his house. It's things like that that make you a part of a family. Sure, you can come into these doors, sit down, fill out your connection card and leave, but you're not getting the full uh, benefit of being part of a church family. Um, we can fast forward even further. Another event, uh, Nicholas, uh, we, we do a ceremony and Pastor Jeff and John both participated in it. Um, Nick wanted them to be in it. Pastor John facilitated Virginia and Nick's wedding. Um, we would never have had that connection if it wasn't for the investment of the pastoral team as well as us. I can't think of a time where we didn't want to reach out and either one of them said no. And that is what makes Harmony Vineyard Harmony Vineyard. We've been in churches where no was a frequent word. Um, so that is why I love my church, is just looking back at the events, the benchmarks in our lives um, that this church played a role in. Because when we moved down here and joined this church 13 years ago, we didn't have any family. So we needed a church family. And no one ever said we couldn't be a part of this family. So thank you. Thanks for listening. And I hope I help you become a part of our family. We have awesome pastors here, don't we? Let's honor them for a minute. Let's honor them for a minute. Nick has done a phenomenal job with those videos. Let's honor him for a minute. Well, here we are. <laughs> Today, I, I do want to talk a little bit. We've been in this I Love My Church series. We've talked about all kinds of different subjects. This morning, we're talking about everybody's favorite thing, evangelism. Amen? It should be your favorite thing. It was like Jesus' favorite thing. So I want to I first drive something home. 
Raise your hand if you've ever gone to work. <laughs> Hands down. Raise your hand if you've ever gone on vacation. Hands down. Raise your hands if you've ever gone to Walmart. Hands down. Raise your hand if you've ever gone. No, I'm not going to keep going. When you've gone to these places, are you the only one there? Yeah, that'd be weird. Uh, I have been at Walmart by myself. It's a little freaky. There are people that are walking past you every day. Every day. Every day. Constantly. Constantly. If you ever have been anywhere in the world, there's probably other people there. I, I want to drive something home. How many people are happy to be saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Spirit and blessed? Okay, nobody. I am, but that's okay. <laughs> Maybe you're the ones we need to evangelize to. I don't know. Maybe I need to do a salvation thing. Yeah, I didn't say raise your hand. That's true. My point is these people, some of them, are going to hell. Let me start off on a happy note. Sometimes when we're saved and we're living in God's grace, we forget that. We forget that because we're, we're good. But how many people every day are coming across your path that need to know about Jesus, that are going to go to hell for eternity, eternity that's a really long time and, and you're like oh wow this is depressing it's not depressing because you have the hope of the world in you amen you have that very hope that everybody needs and that everybody wants but when was the last time you shared it when was the last time you you talked to someone about Jesus outside of your Christian friends outside of your we it's not the it's not the healthy that need a doctor, amen? It's the sick. And so many of us, we feel like, I, I don't have what it takes. I'm not called to be an evangelist. I'm not called to, I'm shy, I'm introverted, I'm this, I'm that, blah, blah, blah. But I want to read you a story that you're going to first go, this has nothing to do with anything, but it will eventually. It's in John 2, and it's, it's one of my favorite miracles. It's Jesus' first miracle that he performs publicly. Um, where he turns water into wine. It says this. We may have it on the screen. I don't know. And on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus also was invited and his disciples to the wedding. And when the wine gave out and the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, <laughs> Jesus, I love Jesus. Woman, he didn't mean it that way. That's just how they talked back then. What do I have to do with you? My hour has not yet come. His mother, said to, to, his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six stone water pots there for the Jewish custom of purification containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. And they took it to him. And when the head waiter tasted the water, which had turned to wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called to the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man serves the good wine first. And when the men have drunk freely, then that which is poorer is served. 
but you have kept the good wine until now. This is the beginning of the signs Jesus did in Cana and Galilee, manifested his glory, all that good stuff. Let's pray. Father, allow me to speak your heart. Nothing more, nothing less. Nothing more, nothing less. Lord Jesus, make our hearts burn for your gospel. Make our hearts burn for the lost. Make our hearts burn for the people that need you. Father, by the end of this service, God, take us from being pew potatoes, Lord, and make us into missionaries. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Chip, what is the water and the wine and to do with evangelism? I'm so confused. Let me tell you something. If you give Jesus your ordinary, your water, he can make it into something extraordinary. You might be saying, I don't have these great communication skills. I don't have this great boldness. I don't have this. But there is a wine that everybody wants to drink, even if they don't know it. Amen? That wine that flows from heaven, that wine that flows from the Spirit, can, that's what everybody's hungering for. The Bible says God set eternity in our hearts. That's why people get on drugs. That's why people go to these different communities. That's why people fall into homosexuality. It's all because there is a longing in their heart to belong. There's a longing in their heart for something bigger than them, and that something is Jesus. And you say, well, I only have water. All I have is my life. All I have is this water. If you apply Jesus to your water, it will become the best wine, amen? And when you serve that wine, it's irresistible. It's completely, well, Chip, what if they say no? What if they don't accept? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Just keep doing it. So I want to do some, some pretty uh, some simple ways that we can reach people. As you know, Jesus commands us. Everybody say commands. 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 <laughs> he commands. Hey, if you have time, can you... Uh, Hey, if you're not too busy with work, can you maybe witness? That's not our Jesus. I don't even know who that would be. He commands us to go out in the world and make disciples. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away, and behold, the new things have come. And in church, we all go, hallelujah, amen. But there's a next part. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, meaning us, say me, the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. What's my purpose in life? So that's, uh, we get asked that all the time. When you serve in a church, people always want to know, why do I exist on this planet? Why was I put here? The reason is the ministry of reconciliation. Your career, nah, doesn't really matter that much. Your spouse, pick someone good. <laughs> but whatever you decide to do, it's about the ministry of reconciliation, amen? That's your pur that is your purpose. That is why we are here, is to reach a lost and a dying world for Jesus. And me saying this in church isn't going to, to bring anyone in. We have to go outside of these walls, amen? 
So, Chip, how do we do that? How do we reconcile people to God? How, I just, we take our water and we let him make it into wine. The first way I want to talk about is through radical love. We talk about love so much in church, almost to the point where it can become, eh, he loves us, we love him. But I'm talking about a radical love, radical love that's, that, that's messy. Yesterday we had an amazing outreach. Who went? Raise your hand if you went. It was amazing. We went to Ashland and we went to Richmond and we just had an amazing outreach. But guess what? To love people that are homeless, to love people that might have issues, it's messy. It's messy. If you, I don't want, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this. That's not. It's a messy love to reach the lost. We are not called to only reach the sanitized. We are not called to only reach the suit and tie. We are not called to only reach the people that are, that are clean cut and that are easy to reach. We are called to get in the trenches and sit with people right in their mess. I don't know about that. I do because Jesus was with sinners so much, they called him a sinner. They said he's a friend of sinners. He must be a drunk. He must be a glutton. He's always with the sinners right in their mess. When was the last time you sat with sinners in their mess and didn't join in? When was the last time you sat with sinners and they said, I know you go to church. I know you love Jesus. I know I don't, but I, there's something about you. Because when we sit in people's mess with them, that's love. That is love. That is love. It's inconvenient, radical love is. We can't have this Christianity of convenience anymore. This generation, and I don't mean age-wise, I mean Christians who exist in this time, we're all one generation. You get what I'm saying? This generation is not called to wait on programs that the church is going to do. This generation is not called to wait on the pastor to go out or for the outreach. This generation is called to get up, go out, and do something. Amen? We have got to do something. If we don't do it, who will? If we don't reach our community, who will? God has put people directly in your path to reach, and it will be inconvenient. It will be. I was in CVS the other day, and I was in a terrible mood. I was tired. I was, you know, all that good stuff. I was dressed awful. I was wearing like pajama pants. I was wearing like a sweatshirt, flip-flops. It's like 10 degrees outside. I just needed my NyQuil. I needed to go to sleep. I'm standing there, and the lady sit behind the counter, and all of a sudden she goes, ugh, and drops to the floor. And I'm like, no, no, I have nothing to do with this. I'm ready to go to bed. And she, I was like watching this thing go down and the other cashier was like, are you okay? And the ladies, and she's like, yeah, my chest is having spasms. My chest is having, I was like, well, not too bad for you. Um, and then I, I, I proceeded to check out and the Holy Spirit's like, Chip, don't be a jerk. So I said, hey, can I pray for you? And she's like, sure. And I prayed and I'd love to tell you that she fell out and was saved and levitated and all this good stuff. But I don't know what happened, but I stepped out and I prayed for her. And it was inconvenient. Inconvenient. Yesterday at the outreach, we went to Ashland, and we found not one person. Not, not one. But then we went downtown where God directed us. Inconvenient. It wasn't in our plan. It was a backup plan. And, we, and it, was, it wasn't exactly what we wanted. And we, but when we got there, it was a God appointment. Amen? 
It was a God appointment. And I, and I just, I want to bring Christy up. Yeah, I called you out. And I just want to show you why it was a God appointment. Because we were able to reach and talk with people and make connections that were amazing. I volunteered for the outreach, and then the night before, Saturday night, I went to bed praying that I would get sick. <laughs> <laughs> I've never prayed to get sick before, but I wanted to be sick the next morning. So I got up the next morning, and I wasn't sick. And I couldn't figure out, I, I, I kind of thought, well, you know, I could, I could fake being sick. And then I thought, no, uh, you know, I'd have to answer for that. So I said, okay. I'm going to do it even if it's out of my comfort zone. And you're talking to somebody who finds pillars and chip and whatever to hide behind. I hate <laughs> stepping out. So we got in the car, we went, and we went to Ashland, and we didn't see anybody. And I'm going, okay, maybe we can just quit and go home. <laughs> well, we didn't. We went downtown. So anyway, we went downtown, and we pulled up, and there was all these people in these tents. And chip goes past me and he said, well, just go do. And I'm going, no, I'm not going to go do. This is not comfortable. So I kind of stood there. And then some lady, her name was Shirley, she walked up to me and she said, do you have a coat? And I said, well, yeah, I got a coat. So I gave her the coat. And I, and I just stepped out. I was like, is there anything else I can do for you? Can I pray for you? And she said, yes. So I sat and prayed for her, and when I got done, she said, I want you to meet somebody. Wow, what a way to open up. It wasn't me that did it. So I walked over to this lady sitting in the chair, and sh her, her name, she went by Mama. She was an older lady, obviously had had a stroke and some other things, and I just sat there, and I, saw I said, can I pray for you? Well, yeah, she just got in prayer, and she had two of my scarves that I made around her neck, and I went, Oh, I said, you got my scarves. And she, so we just launched into this conversation. And by the time I'm through, I'm sitting in a chair next to her, and we've spent, what was it, an hour and a half talking? And she introduced me to another young man. His name is Justin. And he's um, going to be taking the test to go to try to go into the Army on Monday. And then that led to another person who has been in and out of jail, and he said it like four times. And, and he was looking at me very closely to see if I would react. And when I didn't react, he sat there for almost 30 minutes and just talked. And I just, and I prayed for him. And you know what? It isn't me, and it's not us. And I hate doing things like that, but, you know, God just leads you into it. And when I, when I quit yesterday, I was like, I had to stop because I was exhausted. It was, I mean, I went home and I went, oh. I'm so tired, I feel like I've been beat on. But it was really, it was, I, I want to go back because I promised Mama that I would bring her a bag of yarn <laughs> because she makes little pom-poms for the kids. And you know, there's kids in that camp. There's children there. So I went to bed last night and I couldn't sleep because I kept thinking, it's cold. And is Mama warm? Is Justin warm? Those kids warm? Is Shirley warm or is she cold? Is she laying in a cold, wet tent? And really, what it does is it pulls these people out of the box that you put them in, and it gives them a face and a story and a personality, and it breaks your heart. And that's just, that's just one thing that God can do. And if he can do it with me, oh, for heaven's sakes, he can do it with anybody. <laughs> okay? Amen. 
Thank you, Kristen. Does anybody else have something they want to share from yesterday before we move on, just in case? You have to talk in this mic. I know you don't like it, but you have to. You want me to hold it for you? Yeah, look at that. Whoa, that's service. <laughs> it, it, because of what Jeff said this morning about God, um, the way he works in different ways, um, and sometimes he makes good of bad, uh, we spent a long time talking to a gentleman who was a Christian who had just gotten out of jail, who had a really amazing story. But he talked a lot about the fact that he had prayed and asked God, why? Why me? Why am I here? Why have you done this to me? And it took him a while to realize, I'm here for a reason. He has put me here. There is something he's trying to achieve through me. I don't know what it is, but I'm willing to take it. And I'm just going to stay until he's finished with whatever it is he wants to do with me. And it was just, it was just so amazing. He was such an amazing man. And we did get to pray for healing for him because he had just discovered he had cancer. So we prayed for healing for him. And his lovely dog, Odie. <laughs> That's all. Amen. It was. It, was, it wasn't Ashland. It wasn't a people group we're normally around. It wasn't. And in case you're wondering where we went, apparently it was on the news. Sally actually told me about it that morning. But it was, God showed it to her. Yeah, and what was interesting was I kept feeling like, I really want to go into the city. But I thought maybe it's because I just like doing that. And, and so I was like, we'll do Ashland. But really... It was inconvenient. It was a lot of driving, all that good stuff. But when we got there, you pull up and there's 80 tents. There's people living there. Pop-up tents. Yeah, and it's like, and we're going to talk about how you can help with that at a later time. But it was so amazing. So then after we'd ministered and we met the lady that kind of helped set up the camp, it's called Camp Kathy, um, I found out later. There's another church there, and they're like, we've got some food um, that's left over, and we're all tired. I wish I could tell you that I was on fire and ready to go to the next mission and save the world. And I was like, Lord Jesus, I've been on my feet all day. I was wearing shoes that weren't comfortable. But then the woman that runs the camp said, well, there's a hotel with kids in it on Williamsburg Road. And I was like, okay, well, let me see if we can get something, because we had given everything out except for a couple blankets and, sh and things. So the other church gives us the food, and Pastor Jeff and Tyler and Esther and, where are you? Oh, there you are, Wes. We all, that's your name, correct? I'm terrible with names, but I wanted to acknowledge you. We all, and Kyle, we all drove to the Williamsburg Road, and only in outreaches do you get this instruction. What room do we go to? When you get there, pull around back and beep three times. <laughs> all right. Whatever. We'll do it. So we come, we beep the horn, and... These two ladies come out, and, you know, all this stuff is good, and da-da-da-da-da, and we're giving food out. Then there's one woman we encounter, and we say, hey, can we pray for you? And this was probably the most powerful moment for me, at least yesterday. And she said, yeah, I just, I have, I just found out I have cancer. So we start praying for her, all of us, and it's very clear the Holy Spirit was on her and moving. I mean, she was, you know, the Spirit was... And as we're praying, God began to reveal things to us about, about her life, about her family, about some, some situations. And they, they were true. They were prophetic. They were true. And then after we prayed, the woman cried, and she said, everything y'all said is pretty on point. She's like, I really, really needed this today. Had we not, had we said we've come here, we've served, and we want to go home, 
we're tired. We don't want to be inconvenienced to drive all the way from Church Hill down Williamsburg Road near the airport and into the Motel 6, all that good stuff. We would have never encountered this lady. So I want you to think, because I know we're in America and everything's about convenience and quickness, and the fact that you can't be inconvenienced could send someone to hell. And I know that sounds harsh. I know that sounds like, oh, this is a heavy thing. It is a heavy thing. There are people that are dying and going to hell because we would rather get coffee and be on time for work than to stop and say, can I pray for you? Than to stop and say, do you know Jesus? Radical love is messy. It's inconvenient. It's inclusive. You never see Jesus saying, you're not welcome. You're not welcome. Look around you. We just had all these I love my church videos. Look at this family. What a great family of believers. Amen? I mean, really. There's people that are lonely. And until we get God's heart and see them as orphans, and see them as spiritually not having a place to be, we'll never truly be inclusive. But what we need to do is say, come to church, not because we want a big church and that's cool and we want to be a mega church and we want to be on TBN and all that stuff. Whatever. If God wants to do that, we'll do it. But the main thing is come. Come home. Come home. Come home. Your father, God, wants you to bring his kids home. The Bible says he sets the lonely in families. There are lonely, hurting people that we need to stop to love. And it's not just the homeless. It could be the man in the business suit. It could be the CEO of your company. It could be anybody that is an orphan. They might seem to have all of it put together. They might seem to be doing okay. But if they don't know Jesus, they have nothing. Amen? Nothing. And radical love, it's costly and it's unconditional. It costs you something. Christianity is meant to cost you something. Christianity is not we walk and we're blessed and we say, more, Lord, give me more, give me more. More what? You want more Holy Spirit? You want more power? You want more anointing? God's not going to give you that so you can look pretty in church and prophesy. When you want more, are you willing to pay the price for more? Because love is costly. Love requires sacrifice. Love requires everybody around you to say, why are you doing this? What are you thinking? This makes no sense. It doesn't have to make sense because as humans, we can't even comprehend his love. Amen? Amen? So we've got to be willing to lay it all on the line and to say whatever the cost is, I will love this person. Whether they're ugly, whether they're pretty, whether they're black, white, Asian, rich, poor, doesn't matter, gay, straight, I will love them like Jesus does. Because the Bible says that God's love leads us to repentance. And his kindness leads us to repentance. Not your political arguments. Not your apologetics, not your, oh, well, no, no, no. nobody cares how much you know. They really don't. They want to know if you love them. I can argue with an, with an argument or an ideology. Can't argue with someone who's just radically loving me. Can't argue. I can't hate a God who loves me so much. You just can't. The second thing is sharing our story. 
I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation because I've been reading through that, and that's kind of what I'm on right now. Um, 1 Peter 3.15 says this, But give reverent honor in your hearts to the Anointed One and treat him as the holy master of your lives. Okay? And if anyone asks about the hope living within you, always be ready to explain your faith. You can't argue with experience. I know what Jesus has done for me. Do you know what he's done for you? If he has turned your life around, and he has been this radical savior for you, and this radical lover of your soul, and this God who has done so much for you, how can we ignore the fact that he's asking us to go out and tell about it? It says, always be ready. I can't talk about that at work. Okay, do it anyway. Whoa, what are you saying, Chip? That's not cult. Have you ever heard of missionaries? They go into countries that get killed and get killed for the Bible, but you're afraid you're going to get sent to HR? Because in America, we've made our jobs and we've made our finances our God. So what we do is we water Christianity down to say, well, I can't share Jesus here because it's inappropriate, and I can't share Jesus here because it's inappropriate, and I can't do this, and I can't. You can do it anywhere the Holy Spirit tells you to do it. And you don't got to worry because if it's him, he'll take care of it. And if he doesn't, then it wasn't him telling you, he'll still like it that you tried. So stop with the Western excuses. Well, this and that and policy and procedure. Those policy and procedures won't matter when that person's burning in hell. Well, I mean, that's, I'm not trying to be harsh. You've got to go for it. You've got to go for it anywhere and everywhere. You've got to be ready to give. What Somebody says, why are you so happy? Why are you so, why are you so nice? Why are you so kind? What's with you? Why are you always praying? Be ready to share that story. That story that says, I once was lost and now I'm found. I once was blind and now I see. Your story may be, I once was sick and God healed me. I once was a drug addict and I'm in recovery. I once was, was promiscuous and God has changed that. I've been through a tragedy I shouldn't have lived through, but I'm here. I wish I had a church with me that was awake, but I don't. But that's okay, I'm awake. That's all right. I know we're vineyard, but I'll just throw a little Pentecostal in for a minute. My goodness. Who's ready to share their story? Who's ready to share their story? Who's ready to tell people, yeah, I might not understand everything about God. I might not know everything about him. I might not grasp it, but I know one thing. I was in a real dark place, and then his light broke in. Amen? And if we're not willing to share that, we're useless. We've lost our saltiness. The Bible says that if we're lukewarm, Jesus will spit us out of his mouth. The Greek and Hebrew actually means projectile vomit. Is that what you want? Do you want to be Jesus vomit? I don't. We have to share our story because that's what God has done for us. Three, and this is what we did yesterday, felt needs. Matthew 25 says this, the godly will answer him. Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty and give you food and something to drink? When did we see you with no place to stay and invite you in? 
When did we see you poorly clothed and cover you? When did we see you sick and tenderly care for you or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, do you not know when you cared for one of the least important of these, my little ones, my true brothers and sisters, you demonstrated your love for me. The least of these is who our king identifies with. The least, the lost, the broken. He's the God of the broken, the God of the misfits. Amen? <laughs> when we say, I'm not going to help, you're saying it to the Lord. I'm not making it up. It's, it's right here. Read it. When we don't serve and meet needs of people. Do you want to know why we have so much problem with the government can't support this and we can't support that and we can't figure out what to do with the homeless and we can't figure out what to do with health care and we can't figure out what to do with debt? It's because all of that stuff is supposed to be solved by the church. Amen. The church is the answer to the world for hunger, for disease, for everything, for finances, for, for homelessness. And what we've done is we've become so lazy in our faith that we've, we've given that responsibility away. Well, I don't want to do this and I don't want to do that. We're called to do this and that. We can't expect the government. We can't expect other people. We can't expect charities to do the work of the church because they may meet a felt need, but they're never going to have the power of the gospel behind it. Amen. Because a warm blanket is nothing if it, Jesus isn't involved. A hot meal is nothing if Jesus isn't involved. We could have church without God. It'd be boring for me, but churches do it all the time. We could have service without God. We could serve without God. But I don't want to be that person. Do you? I don't want to be the person that goes through the motions of religion. I want to meet a felt need. And you say, well, Chip, is that all about the poor and stuff? Absolutely not. Buy someone's coffee. If you find out a neighbor has a child that needs some clothes, buy them clothes. If you find out someone needs a babysitter, babysit. There's all kinds of needs around you. Do something. That's the thing. I don't know where to start. Just do something. Because as of right now, we've done nothing. So when you've done nothing, something is good. Something is a start. Amen? I'm not saying y'all do nothing. I'm just preaching. Calm down. <laughs> From? Come on. Perfect. Hi, I'm Chip. Hi. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you. I've come a couple times, um, and excuse me if I get shaky, I'm not very a public speaker, but um, one time, a couple years ago, I was on my way to McDonald's. They were calling for snow, didn't feel like cooking, was in McDonald's. Um, was at the drive-through line at the payment center and saw a mother and children cross the street waiting for the bus. They didn't have anything on. I mean, they were in like short sleeves, everything. And the Lord's like, they're cold. You need to go do something for them. And I'm like, Lord, the bus is going to be here before I get out of the McDonald's line. He's like, no, you need to go over and do something. He goes, you have a bunch of clothes that you're taking to Goodwill in your trunk. They're there for a reason. You need to go over and do that. And I'm on Broad Street. I don't know if anybody's been on Broad Street, Richmond, but it's busy all the time. Four lanes going back and forth. 
And I go, Lord, if you want me to do this, you need to make a way for me to get over there without interrupting my time. Because it started to snow when I was in line. By the time I got to my food, it started snowing harder. There was at least an inch on the ground before. And when I got to the end of the road, there was nobody on Broad Street. I went across the street, I popped my trunk open, I gave them clothes, everything else, went on my merry way. Don't know the outcome from it, don't know if they were thankful, I didn't really care. It was all about God and what God was telling me to do, and this is what he was telling me to do. So even if you have that voice in the back of your head, fight with it if you want to, but in the end you're going to just do what that little voice wants you to do anyways. <laughs> You might as well just say, okay, Lord, let's go. And you also need to know that when the Lord's asking you to do something, he's not asking you to do it by himself or by yourself. He is with you always. He's going to provide that way for you just to stand up and show the love that he wants us to show to everybody. So, Thank you so much. What a great example. I like these built-in illustrations. I don't even got to do any work. I sit up here and read the Bible. Amen. Sharing our story, meeting felt needs. What an amazing thing. And then uh, the fourth thing, and this is so, like, one of my favorite, power evangelism. What? Power evangelism. Mark 16, 17 through 18 says this. And these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in other tongues. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous. They will lay hands on the sick and heal them. Amen? Let me read that for you again at the beginning. It says this. <clears throat> and these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. Do you believe? So these miracle signs <laughs> should accompany those who believe. Power evangelism. That's when yesterday, the example of praying with the lady, I had no way of knowing. We had no way of knowing what was going on in her life. But as we were praying, the Lord began to speak that somebody was mistreating her and having a violent temper towards her and all this stuff. And he, he gave that word. And when we told her that, you saw the Holy Spirit come upon her. You saw Pastor Jeff was there. He, he was praying. He laid her hands on, his hand on her, she started shaking. I was like, okay, let's do this. But <laughs> I was making sure somebody could catch her or something. But she didn't fall out. But the power of God just came, power. It's one thing to meet felt needs. It's one thing to do all of that stuff. But when you do something through the power of Holy Spirit, it's hard to argue <laughs> about a God that just healed me. It's hard to argue about a God who just told all of my secrets of my heart. It's hard to argue when someone is delivered from demonic forces. As believers, that's the difference. You might as well be part of another religion if you're not willing to do that stuff because that's what Jesus did. That's How did Jesus evangelize? He went out, he loved people, he fed people, and he prayed with people. And all the sick were healed. That's not going to happen every time for us. I'm hoping I can get on a pretty high level with it. And I know we can. But it happens sometimes. Amen? But nothing's going to happen if we don't try. Because ultimately, we want the person to feel loved. If they don't get healed, at least let them feel loved. If they don't get free, at least let them feel loved. 
well, I don't know if I can do that, and sometimes things don't work. Well, there's things in the Bible where the disciples try to cast out demons, and they can't. And what Jesus says is, oh, this kind of only comes out through prayer and fasting. Meaning, if you don't have an intimate, alone time with the Lord, just because you love him, you're probably not going to flow in power very easily. And if you're only having intimate, alone time with the Lord because you want to flow in power, you're probably not going to do it there either. Amen? No, when we really seek the face of God, and we really meet with God alone, and we really commune with him, we can't help to see people get healed. We can't help to see people get freed. We can't help to see people get delivered. Power event, it's scary. Everybody wants to talk, watch YouTube, and Todd White did this, and this person did that, and Robbie Doc. What about Kyle? What about Jeff? What about Sally? What about Fran? I'm not going to name everybody. That's going to take too long. But <laughs> you get the point. All of these people have the same Holy Spirit that you have. The different, God is just as willing to work through you. God is just as willing to touch people through you. The problem is we're not saying yes. We're not doing what we need to be doing because we simply want it for us and then don't care. But if you, the best way to get more of God is to give more of God. Amen? I want to talk about this. God can't use you if you don't sacrifice yourself. Well, Chip, he could theologically. No. Romans 12.1 says this. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to, God, to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, Tyler, you can come on up, and to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all the delights of his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. To present yourself as a sacrifice. And we can hit the lights whenever y'all are ready. <laughs> What's so incredible and what's so amazing is we might not have the personality to reach people. We might not feel like we have the talent to reach people. But the Bible says none of that matters because if you're worried about what you can do, you haven't laid your life down. Because if you're truly living a sacrificial life, all of a sudden, it's not important what I look like. All of a sudden, it's not important what I'm comfortable with. All of a sudden, it's not important what, what I want to do and don't want to do. When my life is just yes to God. When it's just yes to God. When it's just whatever you'd want me to do, I'll do it. I don't care about the way I look. I don't care about my dignity. I don't care about any of that. When we truly sacrifice and truly give our lives... Switch going to share something? Did you want to share something? Okay, come on. As I was sitting here listening to Chip speak, the Lord just spoke to me and said, this is my word. This is my word for my people, that you'll go out and touch the lives of those who need me. It's not Chip speaking. Although he did speak some. It's not Chip speaking. 
Church, hear this as a prophet. This is the word of the Lord. Pay attention to it. Take it home. Work on it. Do it. Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the world. You're not in this alone. When you give your life to him, and I don't mean as a Christian, I don't mean getting saved. A lot of Christians are saved but aren't serving. When you truly give your life to him and say, God, whatever you want me to do, whether it's at work or at a camp for homeless people, whether it's my neighbor, whether it's to go to another country and sell everything, a true surrendered life is the only thing that can change the world. Partnered with the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm gonna tell you a couple things and then we're gonna gonna pray. In the back where we used to post testimonies, you'll find that there is Nothing back there. There is um, some thumbtacks and cards. I want to encourage you to write the name of somebody that you want to see come to Jesus and pin it to that board face down so their names aren't showing. And then people in the church, all of us, we're just going to walk by and pray for that. Amen? Amen? So that's back there whenever you're wanting to do that. But right now, I kind of want to do something different. I want you to listen to the Lord. And I want you to ask him, we're going to be silent for a moment. What areas of my life am I not saying yes to you in? What areas am I not relinquishing to be used? Because if you're truly worthy of it all, how do we sing that and not believe it? Because all means all. And God's saying, I want to send you out. You don't have to go to another country to be a missionary. You can have the spirit of a missionary right here. God wants your life. He wants to use you. Can you say yes to him this morning? Can you say yes? What we're going to do is in a moment, we're going we're gonna to just worship. And I'm going to ask Pastor Jeff and John to come as well. And if you're saying, I want to say yes to God, I want to be used by God. I want God to just send me wherever. I want to be just a feather in the wind of his spirit. I want to be a ship in the ocean of his love. I just want to be used. I'm desperate to be used. I'm desperate to pour myself out. I'm desperate to say yes. We want to invite you to come and we're going to pray that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized in the fire of God so you can go out and you can minister in power and you can minister in love and you can minister with the heart of Jesus. And Pastor Jeff and John will lay hands on you. I'll lay hands on you. We're going to ask for an increase, a spirit of evangelism. We're going to ask for an increase of Holy Spirit on you. We're going to ask for a baptism of fire upon you. Church, this is a day where everything can change for us. Where we say yes to his will. Yes to his call. Yes to that ministry. Yes to that neighbor. Yes to that co-worker. Yes, Lord, I'll go where you want me to go. I will go and do what you want me to do. 
So as Tyler sings the worthy of it all again, don't just sit there. Give God your yes. Let us pray over you. Be filled with the Spirit and go out with the ability to witness like never before. In Jesus' name, amen. Feel free to come. Let's just form a line of people who want to be prayed over. Let's just form a line. Let's just form a line.